to the new John Simmons Show. After years of battling a gambling addiction, John found a hope and a future for his life through Christ. He has spent the last several years encouraging others to find joy, peace, and hope in their lives by walking out God's plan for their lives. Now, John wants to help you find the passion, vision, and faith you need to start writing out God's sentence for your life and help you add to it every day. Four lines are now open. Call or text 314-880-0808. Now, here is your host, the new John Simmons. everybody welcome to the new john simmons show where you can find god's sentence for your life and become the new you where we talk about finding passion a vision and faith in your walk with christ so that your life can overflow with joy peace and hope today Welcome to the program, everybody. I'm getting like on my own page here on Facebook Live. If you didn't know, uh, we have a live stream available on the Internet, on your phones, on your tablets, on your computers. Just search for The New John Simmons Show on Facebook. I'm joined here by my Friday companion, my confidant, our ministry partner, Mr. Kevin Eskew. Good evening. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm excited that uh, uh, you're here tonight, Kevin. Uh, a couple things I wanted to bring up on the air tonight uh-huh. uh, before we get started. And tonight's conversation is going to be about uh, the obedience experiments, and we're going to talk a little psychology on tonight's show. I'm very excited about all of this because this is one of, you know, we all have those things in life that we could talk about ad nauseum, right? Those uh-huh. those special subjects. And it's not always the same thing for everybody. I know for you, uh, biblically speaking, it's eschatology, and we talk about the end times, and you could talk about those sort of things right. uh, without without even you know thinking about it. Five hours later, you're like, mm-hmm. you know, you're still going. And for sure. me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's sometimes that's all your conversations. Yes. But uh, for me, one of those subjects is social obedience experiments. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to get into that tonight. I think it's very interesting stuff. If you've never heard about these before they're going to blow your mind mm-hmm. i really think you know the first time anybody hears about these things you will go that's made up they're- yeah it's really weird <laughs> that's really weird stuff uh so i'm very excited to talk about that later on the show uh two things that i want to get to though two things that i uh, news and notes if you would again uh, uh we'll get to the good stuff in a minute this stuff is very personal to our ministry, and I'm very excited to bring it up, Kevin. The first one is is that my favorite show on TV, Survivor, had its finale this week. Yeah. And uh, 13 weeks ago, <laughs> before the show started, uh, yeah. you and me and another friend of ours, uh-huh. uh, Survivor fans, we all picked who we thought the winner was going to be. Yeah. And over the course of... Uh, the show, we've been able to continue to talk about that and make fun of each other as our picks got voted out. But oh. guess whose pick didn't get voted out? John. I picked the winner of Survivor before the show started. Yeah. I just knew it in my heart. And, uh, Kevin, we've been talking about the spiritual gifts. I don't know uh-huh. if this lines itself up I don't think with, it does. with one of these spiritual gifts. But the perceiver game of John Simmons is strong. Uh-huh. I'm able to perceive the winner of Survivor months in advance so uh you know when i was betting sports i didn't seem to have this mm-hmm. s- sort of good luck no you know if you no. would even call it that i don't believe in luck much anymore but at the time i would have you know i would have 
you know, stepped over your grandma to get a winning bet yeah. in, and now here I have no money on the game of Survivor or its outcome, nor do I have any, you know, uh, real reason to care who wins, other than it's just fun to have a conversation with your friends about something. Yeah. And so my winner got there, Mr. Wendell. I know, I know. I it's uh <laughs> you'll never hear the end of my, this. Oh, that's for sure. And in integrity we may have to knock out a wall just for John's <laughs> head to fit in here comfortably as it, it continues to grow and swell. Uh but yeah, you're right. You're right. You uh I like hearing those y- words. Y- you picked it. Uh <laughs> he did everything he could to lose though. Uh he really he really did uh, put in his all to throw that game at the end. But uh he uh he still squeaked out and I mean squeaked out a winner. He had uh my loving, you know, good Good feelings, good vibes going towards my thoughts and prayers for out to Wendell this season on Survivor. Uh, congratulations, you were my pick. I can't wait to do it again in the uh-huh. fall. If I pick winners back to back, Kevin, uh, you, maybe you should start. Oh, it'll be insufferable. Oh, it'll be, it'll I, I be incredible. Don't, I think uh, the friendship may be over. <laughs> Lord, please do not let him pick another win. I'm difficult Two in a row. Yeah, I'm difficult to deal with when I'm winning, but <laughs> it, it makes me enduring because. Yeah. Uh, you are though a very gracious loser though. When you yeah. do lose, you're you're you know you've you've always been that way. You don't really throw a fit or get mad, get angry. You get real quiet. Yeah, I I, you, I got you, real used to losing when I was gambling. Yeah, so it was yeah, like you true. know I, I knew how people reacted badly to gambling losses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I knew that I didn't want to be that. Yeah. And so I, and I you weren't. I right? internalized all of my losses. You totally did. You were not one of those people that t- took like anger or blow up at like I would be like I, I me I, I was yeah. <laughs> said i'd blow up all the time but uh Uh, and speaking of losses this mm -hmm. week number two before we get into our major conversation tonight kevin right that i wanted to talk to you about and i don't know if our viewers are familiar at least some of them i know will be uh jeremy who's given us a like here on facebook already uh knows that uh uh the game hq yeah this is a <laughs> this is a trivia game uh, that is on your app, either your Android or your uh-huh. iPhone. And over the last several months, this game has rose in prominence. Oh, and so yeah. they have a couple games a day where you answer, uh, you know, either between twelve or fifteen trivia questions. And very tough questions. Yeah, they can be. And so uh, anybody who makes it all the way to the end, they share inside a prize pool, whatever it is for that specific game. It's as low as a thousand dollars, and we've seen it as high as you know a quarter of a million dollars on some of yeah. the games. Uh, a large, you know, bucket of money available to people every single day if yeah. you're able to get. And most people, the the winners, there's usually a few hundred. So out of maybe a million that play, maybe a couple hundred win at the end and they might win 50 cents to a dollar yeah but some people have won a lot of money they had a big bit you know when they gave out a lot of that money some people were like there was like uh, 200 people won like 10 grand yeah that's crazy so there's but it's fun to play i love trivia questions yeah and so before we got born again kevin uh trivia was one of my big you know my big vices we loved going out on tuesday nights and playing trivia oh yeah that's true and now it now it translates into this app and uh i i fell in love with this app immediately however i became easily very frustrated uh, uh-huh. Because the app draws millions of contestants. Right. You're talking about upwards, it's free. upwards of a million or two million people, depending on which night you're playing. And it's difficult to get through the end. And if you do, now oh. because the the field is so flooded, you share the, the pool with... You know all of these people, and it's like since right. sometimes since, but yeah. sometimes you can win. You know, yeah, a, a few lot of bucks, money. ten bucks, twelve bucks. But so yeah. uh, I have never. I stopped playing for a while. Yeah, I have. I've pretty much given up. So the other night, I, I turn it on. I'm so excited. Uh, okay. And 
you know, normally I think my record had been like eight or eight or nine up to uh-huh. that point, you know. And tonight's trivia questions were going up to twelve, Kevin, and I made it all the way to number eleven. Now at eleven, they do this big video thing, like we're about to do the last question, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, everyone and who here gets, it comes, yeah, they build that up. Everyone who gets this last question wins the money, and I am <laughs> like. We had just got done grocery shopping. I'm standing in my front yard. I'm very excited. Oh no one's gosh. around. You haven't even gone in the house. I huh? haven't even gone in the house. I don't want to jinx myself, right? And so uh, uh, question 12 pops up, uh-huh. and it's a question about the Golden Girls, Kevin. You're kidding, and you missed that? Yeah, because the Golden Girls was obviously the 80s. My, my favorite show of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, what was the question? The question was, yeah, the question was, which one of these directors made an appearance in the Golden Girls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, in, in Rob a, Reiner, probably. The, no. no. Uh, the, I'm just guessing. The, the, and they didn't, even, the, the, they didn't even name the director. They said the director of which of these movies. So not only did you have to know the person, oh my but you gosh. had to know which movie they directed as oh, well. Oh, yeah, that's tough. That's not that's not a Golden Girls question. Well, that's but, just uh, a crazy again, question. <laughs> but, okay. So, so there's three choices. So I have a 33% chance of picking this correctly right. without any knowledge of actually the answer. Okay. So I pick... And it is evenly split. Of the people who are left, sure. a third... Had everyone's guessing at that point. You mm-hmm. can pretty much tell. If it's evenly split, everyone's guessing. And so my worst nightmare takes place, Kevin. Yeah. I get 11 questions right, get to the final question after hundreds of attempts, uh-huh. and I get it wrong. Wow, And I mean, my, it, it, you, you feel pressured. Because, you, I, you know, I haven't mentioned this yet. As you're yeah. going up the questions, and it gets harder and harder, and you're sure. just like, that anticipation, and am I going to lose? And it's very much like, you know, game seven buzzer beater sort of situation in my yeah. heart you know it's it's beating real fast you yeah, know right. the, the adrenaline's going and and for me uh to get there i was just so upset and i hadn't talked to you much about that yet and uh i that's know that we were funny. playing that together yeah yeah that's that's uh that's like a worst <laughs> case scenario right. that, or or winning and we talked about that too or getting that finally finally one out of a hundred and something attempts, you finally get all twelve right, and you win like ten cents. Yeah. Or, well, you know, I, I do have everyone to, else. In I the do world have to say all 12 right. that uh, the winners that night got less than a dollar a piece. Yeah. So that's what I lost was right. like ninety sure. cents or whatever sure. it was. But it's just this. It's not about the money. It's oh, it the satisfaction. The yes. It's like of getting and being able to say, "Hey, I got all twelve of these right." Which because it is monumentally difficult it's in my very opinion. Difficult. It's especially when you're doing it by yourself. You don't have you know you're not doing it with a group. Of friends there's no google yeah well they don't give you enough time i mean it's designed you've got literally like five seconds after they read the question to pick an answer yeah and what's even more brutal is that you if you pick you can't change your mind once you've locked in you're locked in so if you accidentally press a button or anything else there's so many ways to go wrong. locked in Locked in. So many ways HQ. to go wrong. <laughs> uh, if we, it, here's here's my plan for our show, Kevin. Uh huh. If we can just start giving away money every night, yeah, we can oh. have millions of viewers. That's true. Millions. We get a lot integrity. Of we can start paying integrity. He doesn't have to go on tour anymore. He's just going to come work for us because we got two million people every night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we just need just uh, playing trivia. Yeah. Talking about so Jesus. Every every, to, every uh, trivia question would be about idea. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. We'll teach everybody yeah. about Jesus while giving out some money. We should do a Bible trivia <laughs> thing uh, one Friday night or something. Yeah, that'd be exciting. Yeah. I can't see what uh, the screen it, says. Integrity so. could ask the questions, I think, and then you and I can go up against it and see who wins. Oh, that'll be interesting. Maybe uh, yeah, we'll do that with the I game. Think one that night. would be fun. What do you think? Integrity, he's, 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 he's not in his head. Yes, I think he's in. Yes. All right. So, uh, Kevin, that's going to do it for our. Uh, random conversations to start the show 
Uh, can you move this can- this computer screen here in front of us? I know yeah. That, so I can't see what it says. And I know Integrity's trying to talk to us, and I need to know what's going on, and everything's sort of wonky over here. But until then, guys, I want to talk to you about uh, the conversation of the day. <laughs> now I've got Kevin doing too much work, and uh, it's okay. Just leave it along. This is great radio, by the way. So uh, after <laughs> once we give away all the money... Amen, by the way, Integrity said. Finally, uh, once we start giving away all the money, we could do stuff like this, and, and everybody will still keep watching. That's right. The host, the host of they the HQ, care. the host of the HQ show, is not the world's most, uh, you know, yeah. What's the word when you're really good at something? He's not the best. Anyway, MC. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we've but we've gone like off the rails behind, here. If you like behind the scenes stuff, that's what's so awesome about YouTube and doing you live video is that you can. You know, if, you, if you've been a long-time listener, you love talk radio, you love AM, which is what we're on. Um, obviously, you know, you can kind of see what, what it looks like behind the scenes. And it's not always, it may sound smooth, <laughs> but it not always is. And uh, so well, you got to multitask sometimes. New John Simmons here with Kevin Eskew, Integrity's Behind the Glass. I want to switch gears here, guys, and I want to get into our conversation of the day, uh, talking about the obedience experiments and a little psychology. This is a... A subject that's near and dear to my heart. I don't know, Kevin, mm. the very first time that I, w- I heard about these things, but I just remember being fascinated. I know that it was in uh, when I was dealing at River City. I remember that I was. It was in that stage of my life because I was. I remember talking to everybody I worked with about it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was a movie. I saw. I'm pretty sure that it was a Dateline thing. Because Dateline, of course, you know, and all our listeners yeah. know that Dateline's one of my favorite shows. You've been watching Dateline that long? Oh, I've been watching Dateline for, oh, you've I mean. Oh, you're a big Dateline. I mean, this dates back. Huh? Date back probably even before I met you. I've been watching Dateline. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Yeah, Dateline is my favorite show. It's been there no, for No, I knew that, time. but I didn't know it has been that, that, that long running in your mm-hmm. history. And so Dateline uh, did this, uh, you know, story on this okay. terrible I mean, tragic event that took place uh, where a guy, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, a guy called into a McDonald's, uh-huh. and while he was on the phone, he got people who worked there to do uh, insane acts, yeah. simply by saying, and, and posing as the police, yeah. and, and getting them to do things that they n- normally wouldn't do, you right. know, if just asked by someone off the street. But common sense would say this correct. is not right. And, and nonetheless, these people were doing things that you would say, how on earth would you possibly do that? And as I was watching this episode of Dateline or whatever news show it was that I was watching, it might have been 48 hours, mm-hmm. and you know, I was just like, there is no way. As I'm hearing the story, there's mm-hmm. like, there is no way that I would do what these people were doing. Yeah. And they, they talked about, a in, the, in this episode of the TV show, sure. they talked about this thing called the Milgram Experiment. Okay? Okay. And it, they, they, they said that it was like this, in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, psychologists from the 60s coined this term obedience to authority and, you know, uh-huh. did a number of experiments to sort of prove that when, when, when asked by an authoritative figure, uh, humans have a tendency to follow it, even if it goes against either common sense or things that we would normally do under you know our own situations where we're not being led by an authoritative figure. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went and I read about these Milgram experiments, Kevin, and, uh-huh. and this is when my mind just exploded. Okay, okay. with it, it just in it, such intense like those things where you're just like, there's no way that's true. That it's like it's like seeing Bigfoot. It's like yeah. if I told you, Kevin, today that 
Bigfoot's been proven. Okay, right, right. You would go. There's no way that's true. There's yeah. no way Bigfoot's been proven. But if sure. you know, if you lay the evidence down in front of someone, and, and, and Bigfoot shows up in the room, yeah. and you're like, oh wait, he is real. That's so. Yeah. I can't believe it. your mind explodes. You know, like right, right. like the emoji, right? And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so, my mind exploded when I I realized that this was absolutely true. And there's several studies, several experiments, and several other mainstream news stories that have come out where people are doing things they normally wouldn't do simply because uh, they were asked to by authority. Okay. So uh, I, I don't know exactly where to start with this conversation. Uh, we've got a couple places that I want to go to. Okay. Uh, should I explain the Milgram experiment first, and maybe we'll get into some of the things that uh, I'm talking about that have blown my mind? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's what the Milgram experiment is. you know what this is? All right, so at least we're going to be sharing this with one person tonight. So here's what the Milgram experiment is, okay? so uh, Prepare for your mind to be blown. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've got some people listening on Facebook. So if you've never heard of the Milgram experiment, it's this. It's a series of social psychology experiments that were conducted at Yale University by a uh, – a Jewish psychologist named Stanley Milgram, okay? Mm -hmm. And he set up these experiments at Yale. They were funded by the university where uh, he had uh, the the experimentee, or whatever you, the word is, uh, would come into a room, uh, and everyone else was involved with the experiment. The it's only, really the subject, I think. Yeah, the subject. They call him the subject. Okay, so the subject comes into a room, and he's there with another person who's posing as another subject, but he's actually part of the experiment. Uh -huh. Okay, so there's two main individuals here, and they are told that they are going to be either a learner or a teacher. Okay, you're a learner or a teacher. And so uh, uh, the experiment is set up so that the subject is always the teacher. Yeah, always. they say like... Pick a hand. They got. They, they act like there's two pieces of paper. One that says teacher. One that says subject. And they say, pick a hand and make it look random. Like this is what you're going to be. But no matter which hand they pick, they're always going to be the teacher. It's just design where they don't know that. But that's. It doesn't matter what hand they pick. It's always going to be heads. Absolutely. So they separate the two men and they say that they're going to give uh, the the subject a list of words and he's going to repeat these list of words to the other person the other subject who he thinks is the other subject mm -hmm. and every time the guy doesn't get the corresponding word correct so if i say bird he's supposed to say stone or whatever the list is of the words yeah. okay and so let's just say he gets it wrong he's going to get an electric shock yeah and so the subject they also strap something to his arm and they give him a shock to let him know what it feels like Okay, yeah. and so on, in front of the learner now, in front of the subject, is a series of switches. I know this is hard to take in, you know, visually, uh, but just imagine a uh, computer or, a, you know, a box with a bunch of switches on it, each labeled with a different amount of voltage. And so you keep saying these words, and every time the person on the other side of the wall gets it wrong, you have to flip the switch and give them a buzz. And as they get it wrong and you continually give them an increasing dose of electric volts, you hear the person in the other room going, ah! Stop it! And yeah. banging on the table and, 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 and asking for this to stop. And yeah. then you, as the subject or as the, as the teacher, as they're called in the experiment, yeah. is in the room with another person. They're like, hey, this guy's getting hurt in there. We need to check on him. Yeah. And the person who's, who's behind them with the clipboard is like, no, you need to keep going, teacher. Just continue to you know, give them the shocks. Right, right, right. And the person continues to do it because the person in authority has asked them to keep going. And even when they're like, oh, I don't know if I should be doing this, and they're like, ugh, you know, who's taking responsibility for this guy being you What know, if shocked? I kill them? What, what if, if I, I kill, kill them? them? Yeah, what if I kill them? And then all of a sudden the, guy, the, guy, the authority figure is just like, no, continue to go. And so it turns out over the course of this experiment – Thousands of people 
administered what would have been a lethal a lethal, a lethal dose of electric shock because yeah. they were asked to do it. Yeah. And the the other person was not actually being shocked, by the way. I need to add that part to it. They were just right, pretending from another room. They didn't know that. Right, 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 right. Uh, and and to, to explain even more, when they first do it, like the the fake subject, he's an actor, and he's not even hooked up to anything, but they don't know it. Uh, they'll get a few questions right, and so they're they're supposed to like gauge yeah. negative reinforcement. Like, will they learn better? And the first shock is just a small amount. And then if they get the next question wrong, the shock goes up a little bit more intensely. So when John talks about by the end of the experiment, the, the fake guy, the, the guy that's pretending to be learning, he's gotten so many questions wrong now that the last switch is like massive dose of punishment. And uh, and that's where it gets more <laughs> stressful for this, we call it the teacher, but it's it, he's the subject. He's actually, it's the whole thing is to gauge his response to how he handles um, the added pressure that each time this poor guy keeps getting a question wrong, this shock gets more and more severe, and they get more and more uncomfortable as this process goes on. So when it first starts, it seems pretty innocent. It's just mm-hmm. a little zap, no big deal, all fun and games. Let's move on to the next question. But as it as it progresses, they realize, oh my gosh, this person's really suffering. Yeah, and, the and other I got to do it again. And so this is this experiment was done to thousands of people, uh, most of whom went through with the idea that they were shocking the person, maybe to death, because they would stop answering at some point. Yeah, and it was a whole thing. You should. There's a movie on Netflix about it called The Experimenter, and you can also read about this all over uh, the internet. Just search for it. Mm-hmm. And there's been other movies that have been based on this. The idea I need to get you real quick before we take our break is that uh, Stanley Milgram, the guy who created this experiment. He did so to try and wrap his mind around the Holocaust. He was a Jewish. Uh, I don't know if his parents were in the Holocaust or what his involvement mm-hmm. with was it. But he he had this. Uh, he couldn't wrap his mind around how uh, the German soldiers who were part of you know leading people Torturing into yeah leading people yeah. into the gas chamber and all the all the Jewish deaths and murders yeah. that took place during uh, uh, World War II. Uh, how they could wrap their mind around doing it. Basically by saying, you know, I'm being ordered to. How could they commit murder? How could they commit genocide? Right. Uh, simply because they were under orders. Because a lot of these, after the war was over, a lot of these SS soldiers and the people that were running these concentration camps were interviewed and interrogated. And how could you stand there and watch, you know, thousands of people a day go into gas chambers or die? And uh, and their, their, reason, their reasoning was, well, we were ordered to. Yeah, and so this is what the experiment... Uh, figured out and uh, it's blown my mind ever since when we come back we're going to share some more uh, experiments that have taken place in the time since this uh, again these experiments are nuts in in their in the results <laughs> and so uh, yeah. kevin eskew new john simmons integrity here with you uh, don't go away you're listening to the new john simmons show part of the testimony house network That was real messed up But I thank God every day for still keeping me blessed up And guess what, the folks who thought I would be dead are shot up By now I'm yelling, now what? Your predictions is chalk dust It's times I know I should have been outlined in that chalk are you interested in learning more about finding God's sentence for your life? At NewJohnSimmons.com, there are articles and videos describing how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life by finding passion, vision, and faith. In addition, 
NewJohnSimmons.com has a variety of ways for you to be encouraged to continue writing God's sentence. As always, you can hear the show live weekdays at 9 p.m. Central Time by clicking the Listen Live button when you visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Hey, everybody. New John Simmons here with you. Back in 2012, I found myself at the end of my rope for what seemed like the hundredth time. I cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, I need you to show me a future and a hope for my life. What happened next changed my life forever. It took me out of my life where I was a gambling addict who had lost over $500,000. allowed me to begin a new life in Christ where I found more joy, peace, and hope than I ever knew existed. I share the stories, including where I blame God for my father's death and the call into ministry that I found in my first book called Finding Faith. I also share with you the answers to the questions that I was asking God about what is faith and how can I move mountains with it. Finding Faith has those stories and so much more. I absolutely believe it can encourage you to find faith in your life today. Finding Faith by me, the new John Simmons, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble website, Walmart. You can also pick up a copy signed by me over at newjohnsimmons.com. The new John Simmons Show is part of the Testimony House Network. To learn more about the network or to watch other network programs, please visit TestimonyHouse.org. Now, here's the new John Simmons. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Welcome back to the program, everybody. New John Simmons here with you alongside Kevin Eskew. Talking about uh, the obedience experiments on tonight's show, talking about some psychology issues uh, to be able to give you a little excitement going into your weekend. Because this stuff, Kevin, uh, that we're talking about and we'll continue to talk about, this stuff, for whatever reason, I can't pinpoint it, why I'm so fascinated by it. But this idea that we follow authority blindly in some situations, uh, to me, is just incredibly difficult to wrap my head around logically. Mm-hmm. Watching some of these experiments, and you think, there's no way I would do that. And then I see another experiment, and I would say, well, there's no way I would do that. But yeah. people are continually doing things, and if I was put in one of these situations, I'm sure I would be like many of these other people. You know, I want to say, well, I wouldn't shock the guy to death, but... That would put me in the minority of people who didn't do those things. Yeah. I think, I mean, you, you use the words like follow, uh, obey, um, and like follow or obey blindly. And I really, and this is just me, I really see it differently. I really think, I see it as, and maybe it's my personality, maybe it's how I was raised. I don't see it as like when somebody asks me to do something or somebody tells me to do something that I don't think of myself as I'm obeying as much as I feel like I'm caving or submitting. What's- I feel like my arms being like because there's a lot of times we do things and it almost feels like our arm, our, our, you know, that that in, that uh, expression. Oh, you've twisted my you twist my arm. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and do this uh, a lot. And in, in me, because of my. I I rebel like I want to rebel. It's right. our nature to rebel against authority. We're really actually you know, very rebellious in nature and in our flesh. So it's really to me when I don't when I do something I really don't want to do. I really feel more like I've I've knuckled under or I've you know I'm I'm submitting okay. more than I am 
blindly obeying. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get your point, and I, and I don't think that uh, we're that far off in our description. Maybe just using different wordage. I used a different emotional state or a different state of mind than where I do something because uh, I recognize that you are in a higher authority, so I'm going to be obedient to that. It's uh, or the emotional or mind set of mind. Well, I really don't want to listen to you. I really would rather do something else, but I will submit to your authority. To, well, you know what I mean? Well, I think that you know what these obedience experiments have shown us is that there doesn't necessarily have to be an authority figure involved for us to be doing something without really you know knowing why essentially, mm-hmm. or realizing what we're doing. I want to go over some of these other social experiments that I've seen and just discuss them you know, briefly, uh, how they each maybe portray uh, this idea that, you know, are we doing what we want to do or are we following someone else or you know, mm-hmm. this, these sorts of th- uh, you know, linear thoughts. Yeah. So the first one I want to talk about is this look in the sky experiment. Now, Stanley Milgram, mm-hmm. who did the first experiment we talked about in the first segment, he also did this experiment where he, he had a student from Yale go and stand in the middle of a very public street uh, in New York City and just look up at the sky. Yeah. To see if other people would also look into, into the sky. Yeah. And they did this in, in different areas and in different cities. Yeah. And there's nothing in the sky. There's nothing they're looking at. But just, hey, go stand there and look up in the sky. Yeah. And they for did long, it. For yeah, like five minutes, yeah. ten minutes. For, until people walk by and yeah. look up with them. Like, And then all of a sudden, at? they've got this stuff on videotape where hundreds of people are all looking in the sky <laughs> at nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. There's hundreds of people all in a circle, all looking up in the sky yeah. like it's the greatest thing, uh, like something great. Uh, Superman is flying over the tower or uh-huh. something. And eventually the person who started it even walks away. Yeah, that's the best part yeah. is after they get like 10 or 15 people around them looking up, the, the instigator then looks back down and just walks away. Yeah. And the others remain standing and, and there looking up. And other people join on the – and so eventually you'll have all these people, hundreds or maybe thousands of people look that's up great. in the sky and no one's told them to do that. No one's even there knows why they're doing it there's sure. only one person involved in this right in this experiment and to me it's like you know would we be doing that yeah <laughs> i would do it i would look up in the sky oh absolutely i would <laughs> i would i i, I would but i would probably whisper like what are we looking at right <laughs> like, but the what? person next to you obviously wouldn't know the answer to that right no of course not so we keep looking i yeah. guess we'll figure it out when we see it yeah. i don't know uh let's talk about another one uh the sheet of paper on the lines uh, uh-huh. This is an experiment that took place uh, around the same time. This is Stanley Milgram's uh, teacher. One of his teachers came up with this experiment where yeah. they set a, a number of individuals at a table and they showed them uh, a, a series of pieces of paper. And on each sheet of paper, there are three lines on one side and one line on the other. And one line matches the size of the other three. Right. And so the three lines are all different lengths. Yes. And then there's a, they're the one off to the left. Or right, whichever way you're looking and at so it. And so they begin to matches. ask the subjects, which one, you know, what does the first line, which one does it match? Yeah. And there's a clear, obvious answer. If the first one, second one, or third one, it yeah, matches so the second one. Correct. And so they would ask everybody in the line, subject one, two, three, and they go down the line and they'd all get it correct, every single one. Uh-huh. And they'd ask them four or five times, and then all of a sudden they would ask again the sixth or seventh time, and they would answer incorrectly except for the one person who's the actual subject. Everyone else So is there's a like plant. five sitting at a table, and four of them are all plants. Yes. And the fifth person doesn't know it. Correct. And so person number one, two, three, and four all answer incorrectly on purpose, on purpose knowing yes. that they're lying knowing that and they're, they're lying. saying it's number two but it's not yes and then number five 
the guy who who's agrees real, with agrees the first with four the and says, yeah, it's it's number two. So he, if there's a clear and obvious answer to the the it, right in front of him, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the in the planet to get this answer right. Yeah, but just hearing your neighbors. Yeah. You're following their example because you don't want to stick out. I don't know what. There's probably all sorts of reasons why you do this. Yeah. You know, for men, we crave honor. If we think we're going to stand out in the crowd and not get the honor, yeah. we won't do something. You know, yeah. we won't stand up in front of other people usually unless we feel like something good is going to come out of it. Yeah, that's true. I def I, I definitely think that there, there could be something behind that. That, but also I think. I mean, who knows? But sure. I think it's the the fear, the self esteem, the fear of of uh that how can they you know self-doubt like what are they saying maybe i am wrong uh i you know this i i think that when you know uh just even the society pressures they talk about peer pressure and things and even something that maybe maybe like when taking up smoking or something all, all my friends are smoking i know i'm not supposed to smoke but you know they're all doing they're all telling me it's okay uh and 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 all of a sudden, what you you know know maybe in your gut is not the greatest habit to be picking up. You do it anyway, so you fit in. Yeah, and maybe this person didn't. They wanted to fit in. Like these four are, are saying the wrong answer. Maybe I don't. Maybe I missed the instructions. Maybe I'm not getting something. Surely, all four of these can't possibly be wrong. Right. And so they. I, I could. I could see that the, the, our minds. Uh, just reeling because that's just so unusual you know it's so they're picking scenarios like the lady looking up in the sky we talked about this we would all do it because it's the way we're we're pro if somebody's staring at something or in a certain direction our whole lives know that they're looking at something there's something over there like either either you know some crazy accident or some maybe an incredibly attractive person who knows what's going on but there's there's a train wreck over there everyone's watching it and i gotta see it too you know which is human nature but we're that it's it's a level of expectation and so when they see someone staring up the sky they already immediately have this spirit of expectation on them that there's something up there no, no way in our our in our normal mind and experiment would we walk by and see somebody staring in the sky and think to ourselves, "Well, that's an idiot. They're just looking at nothing." Like that, that prompt would never occur to us. Right. That's why it's fascinating. <laughs> right. Because we still do it. You know, even though he is looking at nothing. Yeah. And so for me, obviously, we've shared some of these examples. There's even further ones. Earlier in the show, I said we bring up uh, sort of a tragic incident that happened. I'm not going to bring that up. And you can go look this up for yourself. Yeah. There's a movie about it named Compliance. Uh, you can also look up the Stanford Prison Experiments. These are very, like, dark you know, yeah. dives into this uh, social experiments that they mm-hmm. did. And uh, negative things have come out of this, uh, again. Yeah. Uh, but I want to get into the positive aspect of this. And I also just want to have a discussion as Christians here on tonight's show, you know, uh, talking about submitting to authority. Obviously, we're under God's authority. We're supposed to submit to it. So I want to pose some questions and some thoughts mm-hmm. as we continue the rest of the show. And try and, you know, I don't know if we need to come to a complete consensus answer on this, but I, I want to bring it out in the air because when I think of this now as a Christian, mm-hmm. like I learned these things prior to Christ. And as a Christian, especially as a Christian perceiver, which is my motivational gift. And so part of my gift is that I see things in black and white. And so when I see maybe this experiment and I'm just like, well, you're supposed to do this, but you do something different. Maybe that's why I'm so attracted to it. It's like it's completely opposite of my way of thinking. And mm-hmm. maybe I'm just interested in understanding the opposite way of thinking. And so for me as a, as a Christian, as, an, as a new believer, a new creation, 
when I see this and I think, well, why can't we as believers submit in the same way that we do when someone's looking in the sky and all of a sudden we're following up? Why can't we submit in the same way that the people in the Milgram experiment did? So I don't know the answer to that. So let me, let me, go, let me go down some of these thoughts. Uh, that Stanley Milgram had a couple thoughts that I wanted to bring into the conversation, Kevin. Okay. The first one is this, is that Stanley Milgram says that human nature can be studied but not escaped, especially your own. Basically saying that, uh, you know, even though we're in a situation where we, like the Milgram experiment, where you, 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 if the authority person wasn't telling you to keep going, there's no way you'd keep going. You know, you're not going to keep buzzing the guy, you know, and, yeah. and shocking him. The guy screaming, hey, hey, stop, stop, I can't take it anymore. Uh, your inclination would be, yeah, I need to, I need to quit shocking this person. We need to stop. We need to stop what we're doing. Yeah, and so you, you we can't escape this idea that we want to stop doing it, but when pressed under authority, we continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is the fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. the thing to me. So uh, he goes on to say that obedience, especially in these experiments, mm-hmm. uh, they lead to either continued positive or negative behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you, if the authority person is asking you to do something good, you're going to continue to do the good thing. Mm-hmm. But also in the same breath, they ask you to do something wrong. You're going to, you, the, the behavior is not limited to negative behavior. You know, obedience from authority can also be uh, addressed in a positive way. In the same way, like, you know, your teacher at school might continue to encourage you to, you know, do your lowercase a's better or something like that. You know, over and over again, continue that authority figure asking you to do something. Yeah, it's 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 and I'm trying to think, wrap my mind about the, the whole obedience and submission. And cause I'm I'm even thinking like, you know, stop lights. Like we talk about obeying traffic lights. Uh, when I come up to a stoplight, like <laughs> I, I'll stop. Why? It's it's not that I'm I'm I don't feel like I'm submitting to that stoplight. Right. I'm obeying it because I understand what it's asking me to do, or I understand the rules. That's a good. That's a good I know that. Look, there, there's a benefit. I know if I don't, if I disobey yeah. this traffic law, I could very well put myself and my car in danger here. And I don't want that, so I'm going to obey it because there one there's a benefit to it. Uh, I, uh, you know, my own person. There's a personal sure. gain I'm getting from this. But when, like, an experiment of shocking some, like at the beginning, see, this is my whole thing that that they don't bring up, and I see it is that the people that go into this, they're told, look, come on, we're we're going to do an experiment on teaching. And how you know negative reinforcement helps teaching. Now that's a total lie. The only thing that was truthful when they tell this poor person is experiment. that there's an experiment going on. They're not told that we're going to experiment how you handle authority. Right. And so, but they already know. All right, I am submitting to the experiment. I am. A, I am. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to allow you. It's like going into a job. We talk about job. We we submit to authority. There are a lot of times we. You know, I don't think uh, there's not a person alive that hasn't gone into work and have had issues with a boss or sure. a manager that asks them to do something or gives them a new task that's maybe not even a part of their job description, and they're not happy about it, or we don't want to be there, or I don't want to do this thing, but we know. Look. 
the consequence if we disobey, yeah. as you might call it, or not submit, as I would put that. You, there's a pressure there. There's a my flesh tells me I, I just tell this guy to go take a hike. But my coworkers are doing it. Yeah, my coworkers know. all behaving, and they're they're offering me maybe a bonus. Well. Yeah. I guess, but your heart might not be into it. Like I see it as like your obedience is more your heart's into it. That's why I think that even God, God loves obedience because to me, when you obey God, your heart's into it. Right, but it's sort of like Jewish law before we're obeying for the sake of obeying. Yeah, if you're obeying just uh, yeah for the wrong meant it's there, there's really no there's no fruit in that. And I and I don't really don't believe that you'll grow. You it eventually be submission because oh. Just like the traffic lights, like we obey them yeah. because we see a benefit and we appreciate them because they're for our safety. We don't really, we don't really curse the red light. We may be mad that we ran sure. into the red light. I had a friend's dad once who said those are merely suggestions. By the way, <laughs> yeah, right, right. some people drive that way. Yeah, uh, but you, you get the idea. But when we're when where we are doing something that we don't like or we feel pressure or that we want to do the opposite now it, and we we still do the right thing, it's really more of a submission but god god wants you to when he when he writes his word and says these are my instructions for my people when we do them out of just like the traffic light look i'm excited about doing this because i know this is for my benefit because i know god has something wonderful for me so when i you know pray get into the word or do you know do mm-hmm. these things um or avoid the bad things there's going to be a I'm going to see fruit and a blessing in my life. So we obey them out of the out of a cheerfulness, out of a, out of that where when we're reading the word and we just do it because but we're not happy and we submit. I don't I I I would there's you know what I mean how how much how long can you continue to do that? Yeah, that's well, why, let's, let's that's talk why about religion that. yeah. never works. Religion yeah. never works because it's about submission and it's about an un, your heart is not in the right place, which is why people usually fall. Yeah, it's about relationships. All of the stuff's about a relationship, whether it's the authority, the teacher, the learner, etc. Uh, let's. I have a couple more thoughts. When we come back, uh, we'll go over some of these extra thoughts that we have. Uh, again, I could talk about this all day long, and so we've we've already run up against the clock here. But stay with us. A few more notes when we come back. Uh, you're listening to the New John Simmons Show alongside Kevin Eskew here today. Uh, don't go away. Testimony House Ministries is the proud sponsor of the new John Simmons Show. We are so thankful for all of you who tune into the show, watch us live on Facebook, or on our YouTube channel. Without all of you, the new John Simmons Show and all the other Testimony House Network shows would not be possible. Please visit newjohnsimmons.com today and click the Partner With Us tab to help us continue sharing our message of the future and a hope through Christ with others. God bless. Want to start writing or add to God's sentence for your life? Want to learn what that means? Visit NewJohnSimmons.com for articles and videos that can help you find a future and a hope for your life today. Now, back to the New John Simmons Show. <laughs> uh, we're back. You're listening to the new John Simmons show. Uh, we've run out of many. We don't have a lot of time left. I know we don't. You got to talking in the last segment, and uh, as normal with Kevin, yeah, uh, as his teacher gift allows, he uh, continues to add to the conversation lovingly 
in his gift. That's true. So uh, tonight, tonight's show, talking about the obedience experiments and uh, talking about some psychology reasons why we do these things. Uh, let's jump right back into the conversation for those of us who have stayed with us. If not, uh, head over to newjohnsimmons.com. You can catch the first half of this conversation, or the first three-fourths, rather. So uh, I want to say something that Stanley Milgram brought up in his experiment. He says that mm-hmm. his experiment and those like it reveal a flaw in human behavior that we have an ability to suspend our moral values. And I would say that's true. Uh-huh. You know, and he said, but the critics of this experiment, and I think that you would probably land in this group of people who would think this is that the moral lapses on the experimenter because the results are biased based on the the situation that they're put in. Um, sorta. I think they're biased because they've already set up a a, in my opinion, a a system of submission. They're like, look, we're doing an experiment. We're going to pay you for your time. We just need you to do these things. Yeah. And they come in there and they told, look, you're just going to flip these switches. They're going to get a shock. You're going to ask some questions. We're going to pay you for your time. Will you do this? There's already been a contract. They've already established who's in charge. They've established your role, your duties, like yeah. in a job, uh-huh. and we're trained to submit and do our job. We come in and, look, I'm just doing my job, and this is the way that the world is designed. And so they come in and they do this kind of stuff. And now, just like in that experiment, what I like about it, though, and this is this is the picture of sin, is they, they start flipping these sw- switches, and the shock isn't that bad, and it's fairly harmless. And as it begins to progress... These people get, they pretend to be getting more and more uncomfortable, more and more in pain, more and more like, please, okay, now you need to stop. Now the poor subject, this guy flipping the switches, realizes, oh, this is getting serious. This was at first, it wasn't such a big deal. Now this is getting serious, and now I don't know what to do. I'm kind of like, I was first just tre- play, playing near the water. Mm-hmm. Now I'm waist deep in it. Yep. And before they know it, they're at the end flipping the, the lethal switch, and now they're in over their heads, and they don't know what to do. It's a perfect picture of what sin can do in our lives when we submit to the devil and the devil's ways. You know, one of the, my favorite sayings that people say all the time about sin is that it'll take you, it, it'll, it'll take you farther than you want to go, it'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Uh, and, and John can even test it in his own gambling. That look, it just started out just a few a few poker games. Yep. Now all of a sudden he's staying way longer than he wanted to stay, and now he's 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 hawking things and running up his credit cards, and then all of a sudden you know he loses everything and he paid a price way more than what he wanted to pay. One of these experiments that I saw recently was on a Netflix movie that came out called Dishonesty, another documentary where they did several more social experiments, but this time they added something from the Bible, and I'm going to play a clip. Uh, from this uh, show on Netflix called Dishonesty. If I can press the button. And it plays. Come on, thing. <laughs> and he asked about 500 undergrads to try and recall the Ten Commandments. We asked people to write down as many of the Ten Commandments as I could remember. And then we put them in a situation where they could cheat with the matrix task. How many of them do you think recalled all Ten Commandments? Zero, that's right. (laughs) By the way, they invented lots of interesting ones. (laughs) What happened after people tried to recall the Ten Commandments, even if they were unsuccessful? Nobody cheated. It wasn't as if the people who remembered more commandments, the people who are presumably more religious, cheated less, and the people who remembered 
Almost none of them cheated. Nobody cheated. It didn't matter what religion the participants had. You know what the Ten Commandments are about. They are about a moral code. They are about proper behavior. And just knowing that and being reminded of that decreases dishonesty. That is amazing to me. So they yeah. did another social experiment where all they did, they had done this test where they'd gotten people to cheat simply because they thought they were getting away with it. Yeah. They did the exact same test that everybody had failed, hundreds of thousands of people who had taken this test. Sure. They all cheated because they all thought they were getting away with it. Uh-huh. And then they just put the Ten Commandments and asked them to write them down. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, no one was cheating on this test anymore simply because the thought of the Ten Commandments brought a different mindset to their brain mm. before they took this test where everybody else was cheating. Mm. And so to me, this is fascinating, fascinating that our morals can change simply by thinking about the Bible, simply by thinking about God's word. Even if you're not, even if you're not religious, as they said, you yeah. know, it didn't matter if you were an atheist or a Christian, just the thought of the Ten Commandments made you want to cheat less. That is incredibly powerful stuff from God, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously God's word is powerful. And, and, and going back to the, the example of, of that I was given before, so you're thinking these guys have given a choice. They could. There's there is a fear of getting it wrong and failing. Yeah. Or a fear of of breaking this moral. Because I believe that everyone has a moral center. Like God's given everyone a conscience. Everyone knows the difference of right and wrong, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, you can even see that young children. Like they know when they've done something they shouldn't. They'll look at you like, oh, I hope you didn't see that. Like they just they know. And uh, so here, here you're. You're. Are you going to submit to God's way, where God says? You know, they feel really dirty about cheating about the yeah. Ten Commandments, and that overpowers. Their worry about failing and not getting them all right, which I find very that that it that that there is there's there's this conscious that that could not override that they were submitting to their conscious they were submitting to God's making God happy over their own flesh of cheating and let's get this all right and look good. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I cool. I think it's incredibly cool because not only does it prove that God's word like influences people, like on a on a you know just like conviction. We think about well, God's not really he's not talking to us today. His word is real. You mm-hmm. it, it, they just they just asked them to write the Ten Commandments. They didn't show sure. them a list. They didn't speak it out to them. And all of a sudden, just the thought of God's word made people act differently. Yeah, this to me is such an amazing truth that God is real. Yeah. He's talking to us today. He wants us to follow Him, and you know we can yeah. overcome the moral authority. Of of people who might be telling us to do bad things or do you know even if it's the devil in our ear and you know we can overcome these through the power of the Holy Spirit and conviction and just you know growing a deeper relationship with God. Uh, mm-hmm. We've run out of time tonight, Kevin. I can continue to yeah. talk about this. Well, just even the side is going to throw yeah. in that even just even more explanation of why the devil wants the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse, yeah, out of out of schools, out of any public view. You read it, you're changing your yeah, behavior. just having that before your eyes. Uh, will can can actually alter a person's behavior. Yeah, the devil knows that. Yeah, that's why the devil does everything he can to get remove it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching with us over on Facebook. Cindy saying hi. Mike Raylan saying good evening. I appreciate all of you guys tuning in tonight and uh, everybody who's been listening on your radios. We'll be back again with you uh, soon. Until then, for integrity, for Kevin, and for myself, the New John Simmons, we want to thank you. Don't forget to head over to newjohnsimmons.com and uh, follow us on Facebook. Until next time, guys, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. 
Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.